back to cover. Well, I'm back, and I brought back the homie Dan Z, since he's pretty much the breadwinner of the Outkick Bets podcast with me, your host Jeff Clark. But we're here. Tell to him cover. about it, Jeff. Tell him about it. <laughs> we're here. I'm gonna have to do some editing because you yelled right into the microphone. But we're here to break down Week Nine of the NFL slate. I have a few best bets. I know Dan is locked and loaded with a whole bunch of best bets that I can't wait to get into because. Uh, I'm a little strug- I'm kind of struggling looking at this week nine slate. I've had three straight winning weeks in the uh, circuit contest, but I did choke in my last and last week's picks. Um, I went two and three here on the Outkick Bets podcast. Um, so that sucked, but you had the off week. Um, I was sick of you embarrassing me on my own podcast, so I needed to bring in. A little less of a sharper handicapper. I actually don't want but, to talk about but shit. But to about. be fair to me, I brought yeah. your game up because since I've been on, you've actually been doing better. So you didn't have me on and you had an off week. I, You can't say that's a coincidence. Yeah, and I have to go back. I didn't mean to take a shot at Minty. She's awesome. But facts are you're cashing like 80, 80% of your bets or something. Wait. 18 and 5 this 18 season. and 5. Help me out here. Uh, it's it's like 27%, right? Yeah, because 18 out of 24 would be 75. So, yeah, it's a little above 75. Damn, dude. That's impressive. We, you need to enter in the Circa Millions next year. You might be a threat. Well, you know, we've talked about this because I was like, how do you do that? Because, you know, I'm sure you've already told your audience, but you have to submit these picks in Vegas and you don't live in Vegas. Yeah. So you have to sign up with a proxy, but you have to sign up and enter in person, and then enter with the proxy in person, which is actually not that difficult. Uh, especially. Are, you, are you twisting my arm to make a trip to Vegas? Like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> if if not, though, maybe, you know, we do a little team. And uh, the Outkick Bets that. has, a, has a, a circa million entry next year. So we'll talk about that. But you're right. Iron sharpens iron. You've helped me... Um, You've helped me be sharper this NFL season, and you've helped our audience cash some bets as well. So hopefully we can keep the good momentum rolling. I uh, saw some of your handicaps already. You are locked and loaded on this um, on this slate. And again, hopefully uh, I'm going to bring a few bets to the table. Hopefully I land on a couple and more of our free form NFL Week 9 conversation. But I'm excited to get into it. Uh, first, though, I, I do have to pay some bills um, first and foremost, I'm going to shout out the new sponsor of this podcast, um, Prize Picks, and um, all first-time Prize Picks users, which is a daily fantasy slash player prop hybrid um, gambling site or, or DFS site, but all first-time Prize Picks users uh, that deposit and use promo code Outkick One. That's Outkick spelled as you know, and then the letter or the number one. Uh, will receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. So if you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100 back. Entries on Price Picks can be made in seconds. They offer fast and safe withdrawals. Sign up today and don't forget to use our promo code OUTKICK, O U T K I C K 1 for a special welcome bonus. Also, shout out to the sponsor whose odds I use for this podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook. They offer awesome promotions, including bet $5 on any NFL team's money line and earn $200 excuse me, in free bets if that team wins. Also, you can get startup bonuses uh, by going to Outkick 
com backslash bet and just click the promotional link in the DraftKings Sportsbook or our other sponsor, PointsBet Sportsbook, and they'll both give you awesome promotional bonuses. There's absolutely no reason you should be starting a gambling account with DraftKings, PointsBet, or any other uh, legalized sportsbook without getting a promo. But most of them offer awesome promos, um, and uh, so does so does DraftKings through OutKick. So. Uh, check those out again at outkick.com backslash bed and uh, check out prize picks with promo code outkick1. All right, let's get into the NFL Week 9 slate. We'll start with you first uh, because I still got to kind of pull up my notes here. Um, but what's your first best bet? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about Thursday Night Football just because oh, we're doing yeah. a pod. Oh, yeah. It's tonight. I know neither of us have any action on this absolute dumpster fire of a game, but it's worth at least discussing. Speak for yourself, brother. I went on uh, Dan Deck, just don't at me this morning, and gave out two of my prize picks uh, plays. I like under Damian Harris, or excuse me, Damian Pierce, 63.5 rushing yards, and I like over Dallas Goddard, 45.5 receiving yards. And I also gave out a pick earlier this week via OutKick. I went under the Texans' team total, 15.5 points. I shouldn't have skipped over this. Uh, Thursday night football game, even though it is trash, because I do have a few picks. But anyways, what what are your thoughts about this game? Actually, it's interesting you should say that because uh, I love DraftKings. I'm a big DraftKings guy, and so I have. Uh, they're doing a no sweat. This is not a promo either. I know everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, you're doing an ad for DraftKings." Like they pay Jeff, not me. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, you clown me for my my prize picks. Love, I actually really like the app. Like it. It's very well, user can, friendly. Well, you can use it because you live in California. I actually can't use Prize Picks because I'm in Connecticut. I'm like looking at the states. I'm like, shoot, can I drive? I have to drive into Massachusetts, like, to use it because Prize Picks is pretty sweet. I love player props, and and we're gonna get into that a little bit later because there's one this week that I'm gonna absolutely murder. Dan, real quick though, do you are you tracking your player props? Because you are actually doing pretty well. I don't think I've missed a player prop this year. No shit. I was doing a weekly player props column uh before the start of the nba season and my last one i went three and oh and i just don't do props anymore i bet them personally but i i don't know i don't have time to handicap all of the sports and hit nfl player props but all right so what are your what are your uh, well anyway the reason i bring this up is because uh DraftKings is doing like a, a no sweat thursday night football stepped up parlay tonight so you can bet up to 10 bucks and if you're if it doesn't hit They'll give you a ten dollar free bet, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's throw it. Let's throw a ridiculous like plus three thousand. They're gonna double my ten pick parlay, but I'm actually fading you on one of these because one of my picks is Damian Pierce. Although I am going over an alternate rush total of fifty nine and a half yards, and the reason is I totally agree with your analysis. In fact, my initial thought was I'm gonna go under Damian Pierce rushing yards because I think they're gonna be too high. I started looking, and even when the Texans lose, and even when they lose big, he still gets hits. Like, they make a concerted effort to get this dude the ball. So, even though I agree with your analysis that the Eagles will get up early and the Eagles' defense is is rather dominant, I think Damian Pierce will get over 50 yards rushing. So, I've, I took him in as part of my ridiculous 10-piece parlay that, again, let's be clear. I don't expect my 10-pick parlay to hit. It's just fun. You get a free bet if you lose, so... You know, I figured screw it. Um, but I think Damian Pierce will get his. He's only had under 50 yards, I believe, 
once in the last like six games, despite the fact that the Texans have lost all of those games. So generally you think when when the team loses, their running back is going to struggle, but that's not the case with Houston. They do whatever they can, especially now with Brandon Cooks uh, pouting and sitting out this game. I, like who does Houston give the ball to? That That's sort of like the question. Nico Collins is out. Brandon Cooks is out. Literally, who is going to get the football for this team? My thought is they're just going to give it to Damian Pierce as often as possible. So, and, and honestly, like, even if the Eagles get a lead, at some point they'll kind of back off and maybe Pierce will crack off a couple of yards. Like, they're, Eagles should have a big lead. There's going to be some, you know, draws when the Texans have third and 20 and Pierce will pick up 12 yards. I only need a couple of those to hit this thing. But they lost to the Raiders by three scores. He still had 92 yards. They lost to the Chargers by 10. He had 130 yards. Lost to the Bears, 80 yards. Lost to the Broncos, 70 yards. Only against the Titans last week did he not break 50 yards, and he still got 15 carries. So I think he gets 15 carries. I think he'll turn that into 50 yards. Um, the under that I'm going, though, is Jalen Hurts rushing yards. And again, I did do an alt spread, but I have Jalen Hurts under 54 rushing yards. I don't see any reason that he needs to run in this game. I mean, this is a it's a Thursday night football game. The Eagles are two touchdown favorites. They do not want their quarterback getting hurt in this game. The goal for the Philadelphia is win comfortably and avoid injury. I think they avoid Jalen Hurts injury. I do not think he will run much in this game, if at all. So I love Jalen Hurts under. I would even take that prop. Um, I'll, fa- I'll see what it is. Again, I took an alt spread, so I'm not exactly sure what it is right now. But whatever his standard rushing prop is, I, I would le- I'm would not going to make it an official play, but my analysis is that I just don't see Jalen Hurts, and, and it's 41.5. And, and actually, under 41.5 is on the uh, is getting less juice, minus 105, under 41.5. I do like that play. Again, not making it an official bet, but I do like Hurts under 41.5. I really like your analysis better than mine, at least on Damian Pierce. He's went over his 63 and a half regular rushing total on five of the seven games. And to your point, it's like Houston, they don't even want to throw it. They're just going to give him the ball regardless of the game's script, most likely. Now, I did say on Dakic's show, like, theoretically, Houston should abandon the game plan pretty quickly and have to throw the ball if they have any want any chance of winning this game because I think they are going to get down early. I think, I think Philly's offense, I mean, I don't think, I know it has a lot of success early in the games and they typically struggle in the second half. So I think Philly gets out to a big lead. Um, but I actually lost with a Leonard Fournette under rushing yard prop earlier this year. And it kind of scarred me. Um, Leonard Fournette, I went under his 55 and a half rushing yards. I think that's what it was against the new Orleans saints. He gained 2.7 yards in the ground per rush, but he ran it 25 times. <laughs> so, so I ended up losing that bet, and it's very similar to this one. Like it's Damian Pierce is going to get his touches most likely. So. Well, he's averaging 18 carries a game since week one, and and we'll throw week one out. Rookie running back. Um, they only gave him 11 carries against the Colts, but that was mostly probably due to again the fact that he was a rookie running back. Since they fully integrated him into the offense in week two, he's only had. His minimum carries has been 14. He's had at least 15 carries in every other game. He's averaging 18 carries, and he's averaging four and a half rushing yards a game. If he just hit his numbers, 18 carries at four and a half yards per carry, that's 82 and a half yards. Now, again, I think he'll be held likely closer to four yards a carry, 
but still 15 carries at four yards of carry 60 yards. Yeah. And I think your third and 20 halfback draw angle is probably the best like angle you had on this entire prop. I, I, I very much agree with that. Um, and as far as the Jalen Hurts prop, and, and it also encompasses the Damian Pierce prop, it feels like this can be kind of like a homework game for Philly, where it's like, hey, Jalen, we know you can run. Like, that's not, that doesn't need to be improved, but why don't you make some throws out of the pocket this game? And, like, they don't want to risk the the safety of their, their running back or their quarterback. Which is also why I like A.J. Brown over his receiving prop as well. Because yeah. I do th- I agree with that analysis 100%. I think it's going to be – now, Philly's probably going to run the ball a bit because they're going to be ahead. But I think they throw early. A.J. Brown just absolutely bullied the Steelers last week, catching balls in double coverage like it was his job. Well, it is. Technically, it gets paid for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Definitely. But uh, but I definitely think the Steelers secondary is better than the Texans secondary. And I don't think he'll have any problem getting open or in making catches in a game where I don't see Jalen Hurts trying to run the football at all. So I, I, I like A.J. Brown. He's part of my my ridiculous dart throw parlay. I'll just read them off just so we can just so we have them. I went Eagles. Well, hey, real Hulk quick. Br- uh, yes, A.J. Brown. And because he played in this division, played against the Houston Texans twice. Every year in his first three seasons, he averaged close to 90 yards, over 90 yards per game, 15.6 yards per reception. He has six TDs in those six games. So he balls out against Houston. I do I do yeah. think Houston secondary, the cornerbacks are pretty good. Like they've sent some resources in that direction. But what are your other player props you're looking at here? Uh, I also went with Eagles uh, under, I'm sorry, minus six and a half on the alt spread. I tried to stick towards like more because I've been doing like crazy dart throw parlays where it's like I'm throwing like plus 170s multiple in there so that my I could turn my $10 into five grand. By the way, those don't hit. I don't know if you know this, but when you do a $10 parlay that pays five grand, they don't hit. No, it's very low conversion rate. <laughs> So I did uh, Eagles alt spread minus six and a half over 37 and a half alt total Eagles to lead uh, at halftime. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eagles to lead at the half five total sacks or more between the two teams. Yes. Fumble lost under 13 and a half points. First quarter Texans to keep it within 13 and a half in the first half. AJ Brown over 64 and a half Damian Pierce over 49 and a half. And when that hits, I'm going to come on here next week and just absolutely talk a ton of trash. All right. You just started reading from your prop scroll and kind of lost me. Is it, are these parlayed or are they? Yeah, this is a all parlay. This is a <laughs> 10. This is a 10 way parlay because the way DraftKings works, because it's genius is what they do is they, they, they get you to make, to add more picks. So what they do is this stepped up parlay. The way it works is every leg you add, they add more of a percentage to what they'll give you in a bonus. And if you get to 10 picks, they give you a 100% bonus. So on its face, that's, that's wonderful this is, of them. <laughs> right. This is a plus 3000 parlay. But because I did 10 picks, it gets doubled. It's a plus 6,000 parlay. So my $10, instead of winning 300 if it hits, wins 600 if it hits. And if it loses, I get a $10 free bet. So it's literally a free lottery ticket. I'm taking that all day. Great. Well, you just came on the Outkick Bets podcast and free-based sports betting. Do you have like a favorite one of those props that you want to give out? I told you. I like Hertz under rushing. I like A.J. Brown over receiving, and I like Damian Pierce over rushing. Like, those are the ones. Okay, cool. All right. That's, what, a- I, that's what I started with. I was like, those are the three I like, 
And then, you know, DraftKings is sitting there like, you know, we'll give you a 100% bonus if you get to 10. I'm like, you know what? I can find seven more picks that I like. <laughs> it's, it's a deal. It would be wrong for me not to take it. Exactly. Uh, I don't hate it. Um, yeah, my, 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 my player props are under Damian Pierce, 63.5 yards, over Dallas Goddard, 45.5 yards. But I've, I'm stronger. I feel stronger about under Houston Texans, 15.5 team total i do think it's going to be a stats game for philly's defense um and my my one thing my one pushback about the matchup versus the running back not pushback but my other thought about it is like philly's rush defense is kind of bad like their pass defense is much better and they're more of an opportunistic defense right um but I do, again, I do think it's a homework game for Jalen Hurts and Philly's defense. Like, Philly's defense knows Damian Pierce is the best player on that offense, and they struggle in the run game. So I feel like they're going to do everything they can to, to shut him down. So, But I, I really Understood, do like their This could also easily be a business decision game for Philly where you're up and it's like, you know, Damian Pierce is coming at you full speed. You're up by three scores. Like, eh, we'll go arm tackle here. Hmm. I agree. But then again, you can also, could you make the argument that maybe Pierce isn't in the game if they're down three scores? I mean, I they're mean, always down look. three scores and they just give <laughs> yeah, it to I him. Think yeah. you, I think you, I mean, the kid's, you know, what, 22 years old? Well, I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of 40 year olds in the Eagles. Like, they're spry. They'll be all right. Yeah, but, the, but what I'm saying is the Eagles have like bigger goals this season. Like, Houston doesn't. Damien Pierce gets hurt. It's the difference between you going. Three and thirteen and one and two fourteen and one. So it's like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Touche. Um, no, I don't, I don't hate that 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 thought or that analysis. And um, yeah, I don't want to fade you in this spot, especially considering how hot you've been. Let's let's talk about your other best bet here, the first of many that you have. Um, but this one isn't parlayed. I hope. Uh, no. The Indianapolis Colts versus the New England Patriots. I don't know where you have this graded or uh, ranked in your favorite bets, but I know it's on your list. What do you uh, yeah, have on this game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, man, I, admittedly, I'm, I'm terrified that I made this bet. I mean, you've got Bill Belichick going up against what is essentially a rookie quarterback. Like, yeah, Ellinger's a second-year player, but he started his first NFL game last week and threw his first NFL pass. So, for all intents and purposes, he's a rookie. But we're going to back that rookie at plus five and a half over New England this weekend. Um, the analysis is pretty simple. Ellinger actually did enough last week to win in his first career start. Um, and he got a lot better as the game went on. I think a lot of people may not realize. In the first half, the Colts punted three times, kicked the field goal, and Ellinger lost a fumble. But in the second half, he led the team on three scoring drives, two field goals and a touchdown drive. And it would have been a fourth, but Jonathan Taylor actually fumbled right around the Washington 25. So they were well within field goal range. Should have been a fourth scoring drive. It was the defense that kind of blew it for him, giving up that late touchdown. And they lost by a point. Um, it wasn't the best game. And Ellinger wasn't didn't light the world on fire by any means. But we are talking about a Patriots team coming off a five-point win over Zach Wilson. Now, Wilson, I'm not going to sit here and say isn't going to be a better player than Sam Ellinger, but if you just look at last week, like Ellinger outplayed Wilson by quite a bit. Um, Wilson was terrible. He completed less than half of his passes. He was 20 for 41 against the Patriots, and he threw three picks. And the Jets still lost by five points. Three interceptions with the quarterback completing less than half of 41 passes, and they lost by five. And guess what? The line for this game, I'm getting five and a half. And I like Ellinger to play quite a bit better than that. So 
I, I see I see the Colts offensively being able to do enough. Mac Jones was sacked six times last week uh, on the New England offense. Uh, Indy's getting Quiddy payback this week. Hopefully he practiced on Wednesday. I expect him to play this week for the first time in several weeks. So they get one of their best edge rushers back. Shaq Leonard finally returned to the lineup last week. He had an interception, and he only played 40% of the snaps. I see him getting a lot more snaps this week. So you're basically adding two of your best defensive players back. The total is already only 39.5, and honestly, I kind of like the under. But in a low-scoring game where I'm getting 5.5 points to fade Mac Jones and a healthy Colts defense, I really like it. And honestly, like this preseason was a pick game, and last week before – Everything went down with the Colts. This was a pick'em game. But, you know, as everyone knows, the Colts benched Matt Ryan. They lost against Washington. They fired their offensive coordinator. And the Jets beat an overrated, like a super overrated Jets team. And that moved the line five and a half points. To me, that's just like a ridiculous overcorrection. I think this line should be three. So I appreciate them giving me an extra two and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Ellinger looked better than Wilson last week, but he also played against the Commanders, and Wilson played against Bill Belichick. I think that also... But you did kind of forewarn people before you got into your handicap about about what you were concerned with, and obviously it is the Colts versus... uh, The Colts' young quarterback versus the Patriots. Um, It it does feel like... That's my biggest hesitation. Like, I start there. Like, this could be one of those games where Belichick's defense goes out and shuts out the Colts. It could definitely happen. But, you know, that's why they call it gambling. For sure. And, like, I I have a tough time backing a Patriots offense. I mean, their offense most likely is going to have to do something here to cover by win by margin, win by six or more points. I have a tough time backing a Patriots offense that seems to be in a little bit of a civil war of who their quarterback should be. Um, I don't know how much of the players want a Bailey Zappi in or where the front office stands on that whole thing, but there seems to be turmoil at the quarterback position for the Patriots. Well, that's what they always say, right? Like it's it's a cliche in sports that the most liked player on the team by the fans is the backup quarterback. Um, yeah, but when the backup honestly, quarterback comes in and throws a 40-yard dime in primetime, it's also like, well, maybe there is reason to like him. I mean, again, like I get it, and he he did some good things, but like they still got stomped against the Bears when they went to Zappy, and he threw two picks, and he didn't exactly light up the world. But honestly, that's what makes this kind of interesting. Like it's a Patriots home game, but I suspect there'll be some tension in the stands in New England again if Mac Jones comes out and struggles at all, and and that's part of the analysis here is like, you know, the Patriots are obviously going to get a bump for the home field advantage, but this is a pressure spot for Mac Jones because. Like we said, he's facing a very good Colts defense that is finally getting healthy, that's adding arguably its two best players back into the lineup. They went on the road last week and won. In a weird way, it almost feels like a more difficult test right now for Mac Jones at home because of the pressure the fans are going to put. There were zappy chants breaking out when they played Chicago a couple weeks back. Like, I don't know, man. Like, that that would... Mac Jones is a human being, right? Like, there's no way that that's not on his mind. No, that's that's fair. Um, and both teams, more the Patriots, are pushing for a playoff spot, right? So that kind of, like, just makes this a more of a pressure situation for 
Mac Jones because like if Mac Jones is truly struggling, like Belichick might have to throw in the backup to save the season type thing. Right? It's a pretty congested AFC playoff race currently. So the Patriots well, I mean, and the Colts game need for this the game. Colts. Like blow. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're chasing the Patriots in in the in the wild card race. They're right now they're essentially a half game back because of the tie. It's so weird in football to be like they're a half game back. Like what? But uh, the Colts are three, four, and one. The Patriots are four and four. Patriots sit just outside the playoff picture, so obviously the Colts are back. You know, it it's a big game. I mean, it, it, this is a far cry from uh, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady when like Colts Patriots was must see TV. Now we're looking at. You know, Mac Jones versus Sam Ellinger. But uh, I think it's going to be a relatively boring game. And in boring games, give me the – if I got an underdog getting more than a field goal in a, in a low-scoring slug fight – slugfest, excuse me, uh, give me give me the points. All right. Um, I know you hate this analysis, but it feels like – He started it with it feels like. It feels like the Raiders are going to beat the shit out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I, I – this has got to be a buy low spot to a, to a certain extent off uh, for the Raiders, right? I mean, people are kind of closing in on Josh McDaniels or, or, or looking at him as possibly a next coach to be fired in the NFL. I don't think it's going to get to that point because I actually think they do win this game pretty comfortably against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Raiders are one-and-a-half point favorites when they visit Jacksonville. And... Um, and the Raiders' offense was just humming before they, they ran into the Saints and got shut out by the Saints 24 uh last week. Now, I think the Saints' defense is going to bounce back this season. They struggled earlier this season, but over the last like three years combined, um, they're, they're top five in EPA, the defense, the Saints' defense, top five in EPA and success rate. So while... 24 nothing shutout is embarrassing no matter how you cut it. I do think the Raiders have a bounce back game and outside of that embarrassing loss to the Saints, I can kind of explain or rationalize all of the Raiders losses whereas Jacksonville is just kind of in a free fall and I think everyone likes Doug Peterson a lot more than Urban Meyer, so they're not killing Jacksonville or Doug Peterson as much as Urban Meyer last year. Plus, you have a couple impressive wins on the Jaguars' resume. Um, And I think people really want Trevor Lawrence to succeed, but Trevor Lawrence is playing his worst football. He was awful last week in London against the Denver Broncos. That was a pick that I gave out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jacksonville held a lead at the end of the first half and Trevor Lawrence effectively threw them out of that game. Um, Wait, I thought you said you hate betting against a team that you lost with the week before. I do. I do hate that. Wow. That I is do. how strongly you feel about this. I mean, we have to, I have to break some rules, right? I mean, it's, I can't. I'm almost. I almost have too many rules, and I, I would be forced to bet no teams. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hear you. Like, Stop making rules. No, I, I understand, but I, I I don't like betting against a team that I just bet on and they lost. Right? That's like the squarest shit someone could do. But I think I've I've, I've demonstrated over a few weeks here, over the nine weeks of NFL analysis, that I can be objective. Right? I'm not butthurt. I, I make a lot of bets. Hopefully, uh, most of them win, but I, I handle my losses 
But um, this is almost the same handicap I gave out two weeks ago with when the Raiders played the Texans. Right? It was like this just feels like a game where the mediocre Raiders go and beat the crap out of a bad Houston team. And they were seven and a half point favorites and they rolled. There was no question they were going to win and they covered. I, I'm with you. This feels exactly the same way. Like this just feels like the Raiders are a mediocre to maybe slightly below average NFL team. But for some reason, the numbers love the Jags and these lines end up being a lot closer than they should be. So I actually, I busted your balls a little bit there for going against the team you picked, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And the Raiders were a pick that I was going to be on. Um, but I'm still butthurt about them just absolutely railroading me last week with that just horrible, horrible game against the Saints. So I can't, not quite ready to get back on their train yet. Yeah, but I mean, look at their other four losses. They lost week one at the Chargers. I mean, obviously the Chargers don't have much of a home field advantage, but they lost a turnover battle three to nothing. They they got and in the that red was a team. healthier Chargers team than the Chargers team we're seeing now. Yeah. Like, you watched that game, right? Like, it felt like the Raiders were the better team that day. They just lost. I mean, I was on the Chargers. I'm happy, right? But Same felt- thing with the next week. They should have beaten Arizona. They were up by the entire game and then just one of the most disastrous losses ever by letting them back into that one. Sure, but it wasn't that mistake-filled, if I can remember. It was more just like Kyler Murray going backyard football and everything worked for like well, 30 Hunter minutes. Renfro. No, Hunter Renfro did have two late fumbles, one that cost them the game in overtime and also one in the fourth quarter. Fair enough, but also it's like that well, is that again. is super yeah. fluky, right? That isn't like yes. that isn't like structural mistakes. It's Hunter Hunter Renfro shit in his pants. You know, like he's he's a pretty solid pro. Uh the next week they lost at Tennessee. Remember they were a favorite in that game, which was kind of crazy. I don't know if Tennessee um, lost week one against the Giants. Everyone's down on Tennessee. But Tennessee has the best running defense with a bullet right now. I mean, and if you can take away Josh Jacobs, um, Las Vegas' offense is, is um, uh, can struggle without Josh Jacobs gaining, ground, uh, gaining yards on the ground. The next week they beat the Denver Broncos. They beat them by nine, you know, whatever. That's a win and a cover. They lost by one point to the Kansas City Chiefs in a pretty uh, shitty loss. And then they hammered the Texans by 18. And now that brings us to last week, which is the Saints, which is a team I was high on coming into the season. So at 24 to nothing, again, it's embarrassing. But, like, it's one game. And if anything – the embarrassment of last week's loss is going to motivate them this week, you, th- you think. I mean, it's typically a bad spot for the Raiders, taking them as a home f- or as a road favorite going from West Coast to East Coast. But I'm just down on this Jacksonville team. I mean, look at their current five-game losing skid. They've lost all five games in another way, in like a different way. It's kind of it's kind of funny to like go back and like play it all out, but they squandered a double-digit lead or reenact it, but they squandered, squandered a double-digit lead, uh, first-half lead at the Philadelphia Eagles in a 29-21 Week 5 loss. They outgained the Houston Texans by nearly 200 yards, but lost 13-9. Um, Colts quarterback Matt Ryan had the best game of his season by far and away, and Indy got a little lucky to beat him 24-20, uh, 34-27. Um, and it was also a revenge spot for the Colts. A red zone turnover cost the Jaguars and a 23-17 loss to the New York Giants, a game that you won on 
one on in week seven. And then last weekend, again, Trevor Lawrence imploded in the second half. So to me, that just all boils down to Jacksonville still sucks. They do. They still suck. Doug Peterson hasn't done as much for that team as people were hoping when they backed Jacksonville in the futures or on their futures entering the season. They have a couple they have a couple good looking wins, but if you go back and look at them, they're not that impressive, right? They beat a Colts team which is broken and a Chargers team whose quarterback had broken ribs. So I'm it's square, right? Like there's more money on the Jaguars, more bets are on the public, but maybe maybe the public's right here. So I wrote this when I did my jet. By the way, I've I've won a ton of money betting against Jacksonville this season because uh, not only did I have them in let's see, oh I had them I had I took Indy over them as my best bet. Wow, why do people like them it. so much? I got the Giants plus three and won that one. And here's what I wrote in my uh, handicap, which is going to play perfectly into what you're talking about. Um, let me find it. This is such a great. This is such a great thing. So I wrote, "Why do the numbers love Jacksonville so much?" My thought is that they had an unreal nine quarter stretch from the beginning of their win over Indy, the first win, to the first quarter against the Eagles, which you just mentioned, the double digit lead that they blew. In those nine quarters, Jacksonville outscored its opponents by a score of 78 to 10, plus 68 in those nine quarters. In their 15 quarters, other 15 quarters, again, this was two weeks ago, they had been outscored 104 to 62, which was a minus 42 differential. Since then, they're another minus 10. So they are minus 52 points outside of that nine-quarter stretch that they just put together that was unbelievable. So they still have a positive point differential on the season. But again, it's all based on just an insane stretch of nine quarters of football. I don't understand how we can keep going back to that. They've played eight games, so that's 32 quarters, and we're basing their entire season on nine of them. I, I are you a, I don't get it. Are you a football outsiders fan or a reader? I, I look at some of their stuff, but I don't treat it as gospel. Okay. So a lot of people treat it as gospel. And they have Jacksonville ranked 17th and the Raiders 26. If, they had Jacksonville much, at one point, if I remember correctly, it's like a top five team in the NFL, which I was like, that is right. That's incorrect. It's just incorrect. I mean, According to the net efficiency metrics, net EPA, because, net success that's what I'm rate. Saying. No, no, it I'm with you, but I'm just saying. Of football. When people like look at just the raw, like the the these one numbers, right? Or these like one stats, and don't dig into them deeper, like you do, or think about it at another level. It's kind of like, well, yeah, on paper, Jacksonville's better than Las Vegas, right? But I mean, the odds makers are saying no. I mean, they're. The Raiders are one and a half point favorites in Jacksonville. If you do the six point or five point flip rule, they're saying they'd be six point favorites in Vegas. And effectively well, it's like it's like they're comfortably a better team. And that's how my my eyes see it. I know it's super basic, but honestly, a lot of these numbers things use point differential, like pretty heavily. Right. Just how badly do you beat your opponent? And Jacksonville is one of 14 NFL teams with a positive point differential this season. They're the only team in their division, despite being two and six, they're the only team in their division with a positive point differential. 
Yeah. And that, but again, it was literally based on nine quarters of football where they outscored their opponents by 68 points. That's it. Yeah. The rest of the season. And again, you're trying to convince me that that's the Jaguars, that nine quarters, that it's not the other 23 quarters that they've played. That to me is is lazy and weak analysis. So I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are who we think they are, which is the team that we've seen in the other 23 quarters outside of that mm-hmm. crazy good stretch. And yeah, I think you got me on the Raiders. Right. And I also think like to your point differential, like I think it gets a little bit of a boost in this case because they beat the shit out of the Colts on the road and they beat the shit out of the Chargers on the road. So it's like, man, they look great on the road in two spots. That's how they built their positive point differential. I believe after when they were two and one, DV uh, outsiders DVOA had them as the number one team in the NFL. I believe that I remember that. And I remember looking at that being like, no, (laughs) it's just, that's incorrect. I was on the cusp of treating football outsiders like gospel. And then I heard a really smart handicapper make a good point where he's like, everyone's looking at that. I actually fade that stuff. This was like a few years ago. I was like, ah, no shit. I mean, I still like look at it because I look at a million different websites and I'm all information is good information. Right. You know, and I do think like. The football outsider stuff is like a fake sharp thing. Like everyone kind of knows about it. And I think a bunch of people are going there like, oh, wow, Jackson was better on the numbers. They're getting a point on the road against the Raiders who just got embarrassed by Andy Dalton and the Saints. I'm on Jacksonville. So I guess the public, uh, the betting splits don't really match that. Uh, Anyways, on your next game here that you're interested in breaking down and have some action on Green Bay Packers visiting the Detroit Lions. What? Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to speed this up a little bit since we do this every time where it's like, hey, let's try to knock this out in like an hour, and then two games in, we're like, oh my god, we're forty five minutes and we've gotten through three bets. Um, as you know, I write down my handicaps and I, I try to make it sound a little, like uh, like I'm not reading, but I, I'm just gonna I'll, I'll literally read what I wrote here, um, which is I'm kind of tired of the Packers screwing me over. They knocked me out of my survivor pool with a loss to the Jets a couple weeks back. Then I bet against them last week against Buffalo, and there was an ugly-ass backdoor cover because Josh Allen did things he never does, which is throw red zone interceptions, uh, including one that would have given them a three-touchdown lead and pretty much – or I think maybe even a – they would have given them a 24-point lead, which would have put the uh, the spread out of reach, basically. Um But the Packers have lost four in a row. They did nothing to get better at the deadline. They missed out on Chase Claypool, and they're getting a ton of shit for that. With all the rumors about Rodgers considering retirement, trying to get out of Green Bay, like it just seems like he might be done with them. And this was this feels to me like trade deadline coming and going, and all they had to give up was, I believe, you know, Claypool ended up going for a second round pick. All they needed to do was give up like a second and a fifth, maybe a second and a fourth to get Aaron Rodgers a weapon. And they just didn't, they just refused to do it. And I honestly think he's just like, screw you. I'm done. I don't think this team can win the Super Bowl anyway. I'm not going to put myself out there. And honestly, like Rodgers has historically been a lot worse in domes than he has been outdoors. And you're like, of course, Dan, that's because he plays his home games outdoors and most QBs are better at home. I get it. But Rodgers has always benefited from having a strong arm and being really athletic and he can cut through tough weather, which I think gives him and the Packers a massive advantage over weaker QBs. Rogers has a 69% nice winning percentage in 178 (laughs) career outdoor games, but in domes, the Packers are just 17 and 16, literally one game over 500 in domes. 
But he dominates at Ford Field, right? Like he beats the shit out of the Lions. Wrong. Rodgers is 2-2 two and two in Detroit in the last four years. The Packers are 0-4 against the spread in those games, and they haven't covered in Detroit in any of their past five games. Detroit hung tough against Miami last week, and the Dolphins are better than the Packers. The Packers don't have nearly the weapons the Dolphins have. And according to VEASAN, the bets are split exactly 50-50 between these two teams, but 70% of the money is on the Lions. There's a reason they're the sharp side. I'm with the Sharps here. Yeah, my pushback on this, though, is over the last four years, the Packers had won 13 games in three of them. And um, the, the, the first one was the Mike McCarthy lane duck year where Aaron Rodgers almost definitely mailed it in, like almost 100%. Now, the brunt of your analysis is that he's, he's effectively okay, so mailing in is, this season. Your argument is that a better Packers team couldn't cover against the Lions at Detroit. So why would a worse Packers team cover? It's not even an argument. The point that I'm making though is like you could understand the Packers looking ahead on the Lions in previous seasons because they were out to such a comfortable division lead and the Lions were terrible. That's all I mean is that like you can try to explain those ATS losses like oh they're look ahead games. I just don't think this bear this For the Packers record, I'm not like, taking the Packers. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you conversation. No, I understand. I I just I honestly don't even think this Packers team like really has like its sights on the playoffs. Like this is not a playoff team. Hmm. I think it's, just, it's I think everyone except for maybe the Lions or a couple other teams have their sights on that 7 seed in the a- NFC. I mean, I guess uh, I guess the the Niners are the seven seed. They're four and four, and they're you know a really 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 nasty four and four team. So maybe the seven seed isn't as up for grabs as I'm making it seem to be. But like, also this is pretty much like your season's on the line, Packers. Like, can you beat the Lions? And maybe they don't win. They don't win by margin. Again, I'm just kind of giving you conversation and. No, understood, and I, and I appreciate it, but I just. I mean the NFC is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 actually kind of hilarious how bad the NFC is. The other thing is Detroit has been the sharp side for 2 years. Uh, uh you know, since the beginning of last year, it was very profitable last year and now it's like now the Lions, Jared Goff, Dan Campbell thing is starting to look like how everyone thought it was going to look leading into last season. But I think a lot of your points are strong, and I and I, I think, actually feel you about Amon, the. I think Amon Ross St. Brown makes a huge difference for this team, and him being in and out of the lineup has absolutely like devastated them. Because if I'm not mistaken, just kind of doing a quick glance, in games that he starts started and finished, I think they're three and zero against the spread. So I'd have to check that, and I'll I'll check it if you have more to say about it, but. Um, him being out of the lineup has been just a killer for them. And he's been hurt. He had a game where he had one catch, got hit, and then got pulled out for concussion protocol, even though, you know, he had no concussion and no symptoms, but, you know, safety. Um, don't, don't get I me think, started. I know. I was trying to, so I could go look it up. But <laughs> I, I think him, a fully healthy Amon Ross St. Brown, um, is really really important for this team and and I expect him to play and, and play well this weekend and um I don't know I, I I think he makes a like normally we look at difference makers on offense and to me he is their difference maker and they need him healthy all right fair enough um let's go to the probably the squarest pick of this entire podcast 
Um, this line is heading. Oh wait, let me south. just say one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. you know I love to fade ESPN, and ESPN's FPI is arguably the worst metric out there. Um, I sent you all of them this week and explained, and you could see why their metric is terrible. FPI gives the Packers a seventy-two percent chance to win this game, and that is asinine. Fair enough. Yeah, I know you have some axe to grind with ESPN. It's just bad. Like, honestly, their FPI is bad. Just go look at it. Go look, go compare what percentage they give teams to win and what the money line says. Like, that's what you were doing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you look yeah. at the money line and be like, the money line says this is a 54% game. And then FPI is like, it's 80%. You're like, come on. <laughs> yeah. How are you off of Vegas's line by 30%? Yeah, the glass half full way of looking at it, though is like maybe ESPN's got some balls and they're like making big predictions but doing it kind of no because I used to work there and I used to be like oh man FPI says seventy percent and I only have to lay two and a half I'm taking that L L L <laughs> all right uh, so like I was saying the uh, probably the square is picking the board it's the the spread is heading down but I'm gonna take the Buffalo Bills. I gave it out at 13. I bet it at 13. It's down to 11 and a half. Do you have any like rationale as to why that that's happening? Like, do you know if like there's injury news that just happened? Cause it got, it, it went down a full point since we started this podcast, like 45 minutes ago. I don't know if you saw anything come no, through Slack. I, or, I have or literally, whatnot. I have not seen anything and I mean, they even got a little better at the deadline, uh, picking up Naheem Hines, which I think is a is a good move for that team. But no, like I don't, I have no idea. I mean, a point and a half—that's like Stefan Diggs isn't practicing. Like that's like Von Miller might miss, I, and even that's pretty strong. I don't think a wide receiver or a defensive end, two preeminent positions in the sport, are worth a point and a half to the line, right? So. There's a lot of sharp money effectively coming in on on the Jets is kind of how I read that. According to pregame.com, which takes a look at the entire market instead of just DraftKings, 52% of the money is on the Jets. 70% of the bets are on the Bills. So the Bills are the public side, obviously. I mean, they're probably the most uh, they're the heaviest favorite in the NFL at, at the moment or uh, the favorite to win the, the Super Bowl, but... The Bills just beat it the shit out of bad teams. And my favorite system that I found in a while was how poorly double-digit underdogs with winning records perform. Um, and the the thinking behind, you know, pulling information for that system is like, how often do teams with a winning record also, are they getting double digits, right? It's, it's pretty rare. As, as a matter of fact... There hasn't been a home favorite or a road favorite of more than um, 10 points versus a winning team since week 17 of 2007 when the undefeated Patriots went into the Meadowlands and played the New York Giants. Um, They were the double-digit favorite. But double-digit favorites versus teams with a winning record have covered 11 of their last 12 12 matchups. Now, by making the Jets a double-digit favorite, or underdog, even though they're five and three, that's Vegas saying this is a fraudulent five and three team. Now, based on the eyeball test, Dan, does that kind of make sense? Like given their quarterback, right? Given how 
fortunate they've gotten given how many backups and rookies they've they've gotten wins off of doesn't it feel like the Jets aren't they're not five and three good like that's a misleading record or what do you think oh yeah I mean I called them overrated earlier in my Patriots handicap like the win that the Patriots got over them is not nearly as impressive as just based off of pure records made it look so yeah I think the Jets kind of stink um I think losing Brees Hall was an absolute game changer for them because he was the guy on offense who was helping to hide how bad Zach Wilson really is at football. And now that he doesn't have him to lean on, um, I think it was a crusher for them. I am just like literally as you're doing this scouring Twitter for how a line drops by a point in an an hour. I And there's nothing. In fact, the only tweet I saw on the Bills was Bills Wednesday injury report is the healthiest they've looked in a long time. So it's like I, I have no idea. Right, maybe there's like 4D chess going on with the syndicates where they're like, you know what, we're going to reduce this line, and then when the Sunday limits go up, we're going to hammer the bills. Like maybe that's what it is, right? It's like because with extra points being further back over the last couple of years, like they're less of like a guarantee. So it's like, hey, maybe they don't cover 13, but they're getting there in 12 and a half, 11 and a half. Yeah, it'd be I interesting. Uh, I don't know if you have any info on this. Have have the key numbers changed at all in the NFL since that change was yeah. made? Yeah, yeah. Six. I don't. I don't have specific data, but six is a more more of a key number than it was. Obviously, seven's more a key, right? Because like the extra points should go in, but six is more of an important number. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at who the Jets have beaten. They beat the Browns in Week Two, which was as fluky as it gets. And Joe Flacco was amazing in that game he's not playing in this game uh they 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 beat the Steelers and what I think turned out to be Kenny Pickett's first game um they beat the Dolphins who were on their third string quarterback they beat the Packers who like you already talked about suck they kind of suck <laughs> um uh they beat the Broncos with Brett Rippon and then they lost last week uh to the Patriots and a game they probably should have won but they pulled defeat out of the jaws of victory. Um, again, the Bills just cover uh, against bad teams. Um, they're 10-6-1 as a, as a road favorite with a plus 5.2 ATS differential since 2018. Also, um, back to the double-digit um, favorite versus teams with a winning record system. After week nine, which is about the time where I think the market and and, and – the truth is known about teams or we start to understand more about teams after week nine, double digit favorites versus teams with a winning record are six and zero against the spread with a plus 10.8 ATS margin. So they're winning those games by like 20 points per game. Like I, I just think like the odds makers by making the jets a double digit home underdog in a division game, um, it, with a winning record, they're pretty much screaming, please take the Jets, please. Like, what do we have to do to this number to get Jets action? You know, I think they put it at its highest possible point. So it is, I guess it's becoming a little bit public and the sharp money's coming on the Jets, but I'll take the bills here. I don't know. That's what I got. Let's go to your next best bet. What do you got? So I want to talk real quick. Again, we're going super long on these, and uh, we try not to, but, God, I just love talking about the NFL. I could 
probably do it all day. Um, I was going to back the Bengals, as you know, uh, minus seven and a half against the Panthers. I had this really nice handicap all written up, and I bailed on it. And the reason I bailed on it, you gave some good reasons, and I'll let you give those. But I, I was fading the narrative, which is essentially we just saw the Bengals get whooped on Monday Night Football, which means the public will be inclined to fade them, coming off a terrible loss to the Browns. The Panthers are being treated like they won, even though they lost. They had that crazy DJ Moore, basically Hail Mary that should have won the game, and then he gets penalized for taking off his helmet, and they miss the extra point, and then they miss a 30-yarder in overtime. Yeah, yeah. And my thought was, again, fade the narrative. I think Carolina played its best game of the year. They just sort of came together for one big game against a divisional opponent, and now they go to Cincinnati, a team that's coming off a terrible loss, and I thought the line should be bigger. But I'm starting to believe that Without Christian McCaffrey, they have no choice but to get the ball to DJ Moore, which wouldn't have worried me, except Chidobe Owuzie, the Bengal, by far the Bengals' best cornerback, tore his ACL last week. And his backup, Trey Flowers, who got burned like six times, also got hurt. They don't have anyone who can cover DJ Moore, like at all. And I just can't lay seven and a half, like more than a touchdown, because I think there's a good opportunity here for Carolina to score some points. Um, that's really it. Like, I just, I worry about the backdoor cover here more than anything, because again, I just don't think the Bengals can cover DJ Moore at all. So I backed off of it. Um, so I, I know you mentioned in your handicap, which you only sent to me, um, that, Last week's loss, Panthers last week's uh, the, the 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 loss the Panthers suffered last week in overtime to the Atlanta Falcons is a gut punch, right? They're probably going to be down in the dumps entering this game, but I guess my response to that or my thought on that is like, it feels like they have a bunch of castoffs that are kind of rallying around like this being a chance to get future jobs and to have a future in the NFL elsewhere, like. Steve Wilkes was, un, I think, unfairly fired by the Arizona Cardinals. We can debate that. P.J. Walker was in the fucking XFL, right? Like, no one expects him to be good. All the Panthers players, like D.J. Moore was a little upset he didn't get traded at, at the trade deadline. Well, the way that could be spun in the locker room was like, yeah, no one wanted you other you guys. No, they wanted, I don't think so. Yeah, I know people don't believe that, but it is like you can I go into it with I, the cast-off vibe where it's like, hey— but DJ Moore just signed like a brand new four year contract. Like I think the thought there was like DJ, you're our guy. Like we're counting on you to be part of this rebuild and help turn. Like we believe in you, which can be an equally strong motivator. Like man, no one else around here is going to be that guy. Like I gotta be that guy. And the other thing with that's them not point. trading, I like that. with them not trading Brian Burns, I think that's huge in this game particularly because the Bengals offensive line was finally starting to look good, but they played a couple of weak defensive lines, especially Atlanta, who has one of the worst uh, defensive lines. Because that was going to, that was part of my handicap. If you remember too, was, well, we have some context here, which is the Bengals beat the shit out of Atlanta and Carolina almost beat Atlanta. So it was like or, or, a loss to Atlanta, but it was close, whatever. So it's like, we have a common opponent here. But the difference between Carolina and Atlanta is Atlanta can't get any pressure on the quarterback. And Carolina does get a little bit of pressure. They're actually around the the same as the Browns as far as pressure rate. Now they don't turn it they don't translate it into sacks as often, 
But against a Bengals offensive line that was terrible against Miles Garrett and Genevion Clowney, like them keeping Brian Burns for this game in particular, I think can upset the Bengals offense a little bit. So again, I'm not fully ready to buy into the Panthers at plus seven and a half. It was just enough for me to come off the Bengals laying that that kind of a number. I If it drops below, if it got to say six, I would probably be back on the Bengals though. Yeah, but you also understand that everyone's going to have them in their money line parlays and teasers and like the house is going to openly root for the Carolina Panthers. Like they're going to openly be cheering for the Carolina Panthers, which is not a spot that you want. No, the Brian Burns and DJ Moore point are actually perfect. I mean, it's not what I was saying, but it kind of is in the sense that it's like, like they showed faith in these guys. Like, Hey, we want you here. We want to build around they didn't you. Trade Brian Burns for two first round. Picks. Right. Yeah. Two. That's I mean, huge. it was the Rams. So those picks were probably like, you know, next decade, but still, yeah, but it's still like w- the Panthers look at Brian Burns as a top five, top ten pass rusher in the league. And the other thing is it's kind of square, but I don't think people are focusing enough on it. There is a chance Cincinnati's offense falls off a cliff without Jamar Chase. Cleveland's defense is fucking terrible. And they mopped Cincy last week. Mopped him in an embarrassing way. Like Miles Mar- Garrett was in that backfield all all evening and Brian Brian Burns no Miles Garrett but he's really really good um and I, I don't think I don't think Carolina is going to come in here uh without Speaking motivation of, that's, that's a good player prop I like Brian Burns over half a sack I don't think I've the only time I've ever bet a defensive player prop is in the Super Bowl to be honest I have to like kind of recalibrate my mind and think about something like that but also According to pregame, this is in the consensus market, uh, 90, 88% officially of the the money is on the Bengals. And the look ahead line was nine and a half. We talked about this last night. It's down to seven. Part of your thought was like, that's too much an overcorrection or overreaction. But like, well, I looked at the money. What do you mean? Yeah, that, that threw me. The fact that the Bengals or the, well, it was, it's not a correction. I thought it. Was, I had it handicapped as a correction, and then I saw the money. It was like, oh no, that's reacting to the sharp money going on the Panthers. Right, that's right, why it's right. moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I do think like the Panthers are getting sharp action. There is some reverse line movement, which is kind of like the book saying, like, hey, take the Bengals. It's a bounce back spot. Uh, the Panthers, they just blew it. They're probably going to give up on the season, but. I think they rally around being a bunch of cast-offs and being lowly Carolina. And, I mean, you can't – this is the last thing. They have a chance to win the division. Like, it's not completely over. It isn't, you know. So, uh, we'll see. But I, I think I'm going to end up on that as my as one of my best bets. So let's uh, move along, though, to your next play here. Uh, what else do you got on your, on your slip? Uh, so this will move me into totals. I actually have two totals for you this week. These are uh, much quicker. Uh, yeah, I got Chargers... do you want to bang them both out? Yeah, I will. Uh, I got Chargers-Falcons over 49.5. I think the total is way too low. Uh, both of these teams have defenses that are below average according to EPA per play. In fact, the Falcons have the league's second worst defense um, according to EPA per play, only ahead of Detroit. They have allowed 69 points, nice, over the past two weeks, including 34 against Carolina, and um, I believe Justin Herbert is a little better than P.J. Walker. We could debate that later if you'd like. 
Uh, and the Chargers gave up 37 points to Seattle last week. In fact, L.A. has only held one team under 24 points this season, and that was Denver. We don't need to talk about how bad Denver's offense is. And the Denver game is the only one of L.A.'s past four games that have gone under 50 points. Both the Falcons' last two games have gone over 50. I, I honestly can't see any reason for that changing. The only thing is that the Chargers are just incredibly – banged up on offense no Mike Williams I don't think Keenan Allen will play but I just don't think it matters I think they'll they'll get enough out of Gerald Everett Donald Parham Austin Eckler Josh Palmer DeAndre Carter like they have enough speed to put up points and these defense really it's just a fade of both of these defense the fact that this total is under 50 is is kind of mind-blowing so over 49 and a half uh can I give my one total before you give your second one go ahead uh going to Monday Night Football I'm going to take the under and the Baltimore Ravens Saints game. Um, I do think Saints have uh, their defense is legitimate, and I think that uh, that performance against the, the the Las Vegas Raiders is effectively like a slump busting performance, and we're going to see Saints defense, which is getting healthier, trend up to end the season. Also, Baltimore, uh, their secondary is pretty sick. And we know that the Saints have a banged up wide receiver core. Sick like good, or they have COVID. Sick like good um i really like you know marcus marcus peters marcus williams who is getting some revenge uh, against his former employer the saints um i say marcus peters already i, I think they have a pretty yeah. sick chuck clark uh the baltimore secondary is awesome new orleans's wide receiver group is is bad as long as they're injured right jarvis landry and michael thomas have missed a bunch of games in a row. Uh, the pro side here is the under. The public is back in the over, at least according to pregame.com. Um, also, going back to Baltimore's defense, they invested um, at the trade deadline by adding one of the better linebackers in the league, Roquan Smith. There's also injury concerns to Mark Andrews. He left the game injured last week and didn't return. He's on my fantasy team. That really sucks. Um, but... Also, Rashad Bateman is most likely going to be out this game, and I think he's their Baltimore's best wide receiver. Also, I love Demario Davis, the middle linebacker, the New Orleans Saints, and to me, he's actually like the perfect and he's the best linebacker in the league, in my opinion. And I think he's the the perfect guy to defend Lamar Jackson here. So, um, I really like this under. I would take the saints and i might end up putting the saints in my in my contest you know because i'm struggling to come up with a fifth but andy dalton is terrible in prime time he's six and 19 straight up has a 79 quarterback rating and 59.9 percent completion percentage so if the saints win this game it'll probably be a defensive effort and i don't see andy dalton having a very big game even though uh the saints are the home team so i'll go under in that one yeah, this is a great segue into mine because you mentioned you kind of glossed over it, but I think this is really an important point, which is the public, first of all, loves to bet the over. That's unders are not fun to root for. Like there's just no doubt about it. Even more there, so this, in primetime. Exactly. This is never more true than in primetime. And so my under is actually Rams Bucks on Sunday. Now you go like, well, that's not a primetime game, but it kind of is because it's the 425 game and it's the only 425 game. There's only one other four o'clock game, but the entire country is getting this game. It's the defending champs versus Tom Brady. It's not going to be a very fun game. And you might look at it and go like on paper, it's a bad game, but America's going to watch, man. There's going to be 20, 20 plus million eyeballs on this football game. 
I just don't think there's even much to handicap here. Like both the Bucks and the Rams have above average defenses according to EPA. They both have below average offenses according to EPA. I would go as far as to say that these are, are broken offenses. Um, not only are the are you gonna stop me. No, no. I just want to throw in the Rams have the worst EPA offensively. They're below the Houston Texans. Like that. Let's hold. Let's circle back, bold it, and underline it. The Rams have the worst offense in the NFL. And not only have, well, and that's led to them being five and two to the under this season. And one of the only teams that has a better under percentage than the Rams is the Bucks, who are six and two to the under this season. And not only are they six and two, the Bucks to the under, but they've had four games where the total was thirty points or fewer. And the other two unders were both under forty. Um, the Rams, as I said, five and two to the under. Both teams are in the top five of total to the under. Between the two teams, they average going under by six point seven points under the total. Mm. Uh, both teams went over last week, and which is, I think, bloating this line a little bit, and again, the public money as well. But both teams went over last week, but it was because of their opponents. Like, San Francisco debuted their full Christian McCaffrey offense. I, I know he played in the week before, but he only got, like, 15 snaps because he literally had one day to learn the playbook. They scored 31 points, and McCaffrey threw a touchdown, caught a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. I I'm still behind San Francisco as they're coming out of the NFC this year. We can get into that later on another podcast because we got our uh, our team call here coming up in 20 minutes. But, uh, that's right. Curfew. Um, but they dropped 31 points against the Rams. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens cooked Tampa for 27. Like prior to last week, the Rams hadn't seen a game go over 34 total points since week two. So again, I think both of them going over last week are pushing this line up, but this this should be 40 points, maybe 39 and a half. So it seems like a chalky play, like two bad offenses going against two good defenses take the under. But again, 61% of the bets are on the over and a whopping 80% of the money is on the under. This is absolutely the sharp, sharp side. People love to bet the over, especially in prime time. This is, like I said, basically a prime time game. I, I really... Again, this is one of those weird picks where I was like, oh, God, I'm, I'm totally going chalk here. And then I look and I'm like, wait, I'm on the sharp side? How is this not the obvious chalky public side to go under on this ridiculous game? But it's not. So, again, I think the total should be 42, maybe 39 and a half. So I think I'm getting three points of value here, two, two, and two, two, between two and three points of value. And I will always take between two and three points of value when I can get it. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. I think we should Eiffel Tower this total, um, make this a pop podcast play. I'm, I'm with you there. I I think you said everything perfectly. Uh, my favorite point was the last one where it's just like, this feels pretty square. And then you look at the betting splits like, oh, no, everyone's on the over. <laughs> Perfect. You know, so it's like I get to fade the public by taking the most obvious side here. Um, I really liked the Rams last year against the Buccaneers because my thought was, the Buccaneers' secondary is overrated, and if your offensive line can stop their pass rush, I think Matt Stafford could pick apart their secondary. LA's offensive line is terrible this year, and they cannot stop that pass rush at all. They- Honestly, that's that's actually my only concern here is that that pass rush beats him up so badly because Stafford is prone to making big. I believe I'll have to check this, but I think Matt Stafford might be the career leader in pick sixes. He has thrown a ridiculous number of pick sixes in his career, like a crazy number of pick sixes relative to everyone else. Yeah, he so threw like actually, two weird ones against the Titans last year. Yeah, like the biggest downside here would be Stafford 
trying too hard to do too much and doing something stupid and causing a couple of like garbage touchdowns that way. But even even that, like even if Stafford throws a pick six, I still don't see this getting to like above 40 points. I just unless both of these teams come out and just debut offenses that we have not seen all season. I just don't see how this goes. I just don't. I, I literally can't see it. I can't see any. Normally, I mean, every bet I've given, I'm like, but here's how it doesn't work, right? Like everyone is like, you can see a path. You, I see a path to Belichick shutting down the Colts and just rolling Sam Ellinger. No, I see a path to the Packers coming out and waxing the Lions, who have a terrible defense. I see a path to the Chargers Falcons under with the with the with the Chargers offense being so banged up that maybe they just can't. But like. I see no path to this Wait, going over. Hold on. I mean, you don't see Tom Brady and Sean McVay combining to score 50 points. Like, that would be the most ridiculous thing. I hear what you're saying. I'm confident in the based pick. On, yes, based on this. Like, again, that's all just based on some weird perception we have that Tom Brady. Weird. It's over 20 years. And this ain't six that, bro. with McVay. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I'm just saying, if like, this was week you, three, you can make and- a counter argument with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans on the field, Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, like back against the wall for both teams. I think you can make that argument, right? They've all been on the field for most of the season. I'm with you. And these teams aren't even breaking 35 points combined. Eight, eight games is a small sample size. I'm with you. I'm just saying there has to be pushback. Eight, and that's eight, what I'm I mean, trying to at do. what point do we have a sample size in the NFL? There's only 17 fucking games on the schedule. At what point are we going to call it a sample size? The playoffs? After the Super Bowl, we can look in and call it a sample size? Hey, I'm providing what you asked like you said you're there firing isn't, me up here for no reason right you need this though we need this like there needs to be pushback <laughs> on bets you can't just sit here and be like yeah no i no. agree with you 100 percent. you're gonna no. win right you there need needs to, go to be pushback to your, like you need to go to, no like shut up. if jalen ramsey shut up you need to go to your employer you need to say i want to withdraw my entire 401k i will take the hit and lay it on the fucking under so there's no way Jalen Ramsey tries to jump a route, misses, and Mike Evans houses one. There's okay, no good. way Ma- okay, Matthew there's, Stafford there's throws it to to the Sean Bunting Murphy, and it goes back for seven. Right? I mean, right, it can happen. I'm with you, dude. And like Still I said, need five more touchdowns. Me and Four you. Four more touchdowns. We need a camera holder because we're going to Eiffel Tower this total. I'm with you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You need at least five touchdowns to hit this total. And I I, I really did, just don't see I can do way. math. I know that. I think I can do math. Wait, five? That's only 35 if you make all the extra you points. Need, I said you need at least five. And then, you know, you throw in your, your three field goals. This, six hits. Well, six touchdowns hits it, right? Like, I mean, is, that gets you to 42. This is our issue, though. We agree. You need at yet, least five. We agree, and yet we spend 15 minutes on this game. Let's go to our best bets. <laughs> what do you think? This is so obvious. I, I have hammered this every time I've been on this show. It's just never going to stop until they stop me. I'm taking a tight end against the Seahawks. Like, that's, stop me if you've heard this before. That's I'll bullshit. Say what you got to give two best bets then. No. Because every time I yeah, here's what happens on your pod, I go four and one or five and one, and my only loss is my quote unquote best bet. Yeah. So I'm done doing best bets. Like I, all of my bets are my best bets. It's funny when we, when we talk about your about. winning record, it's our podcast. But when we talk about you losing, it's just outkick bets with Jeff Clark. You're trying to get your name yeah. on the marquee. And no, you you're keep not, you're suggesting not, my name is on the marquee. I've never once said that. That's true. 
That's true. I'm taking I, – I honestly, Jeff, my mind was blown. And you can tell the, the listeners this. Did I, I sent you a handicap, and I was like, I'm taking Zach Ertz over receiving yards up to 59-and-a-half, which is where I think I got it last time. It might have been 49-and-a-half, or it might have been 54. It was somewhere I, around there. I have something to add to that as well, but go, keep going. I looked this morning because it wasn't out last night. As we talk, we often do this podcast on Wednesdays, and I can't like fully do my player props because they don't release them. They like to see the injury reports and kind of see where we're at. They released Zach Ertz over at thirty nine and a half. I, I uh, like I can't believe that this total is thirty nine and a half. We used Zach Ertz last time he played Seattle a few weeks ago, and he hit both his receptions prop and his receiving pro- yards prop, which I gave out both, even though he got zero targets in the first half. it was. I texted you, and I was like, man, I hope you didn't uh, follow me on that Zach Ertz bet because he's got zero targets. And you were like, nah, dude, I never follow you, so you're good. Um, Did I say He that? ends up getting – I may be you know, taking some creative liberties. Uh, he ended up getting 10 targets in the second half. Seven catches, 70 yards. Like, it's just a rule. Death, taxes, and Pete Carroll does not give a shit about your tight end. Every single tight end prop I've given you against Seattle this season is hit, including Adam Troutman at 10-1 to 1 to score a touchdown. He did. I mean, it, it's just like, until they stop me, I'm not going to stop going at this. And the fact that this is 39-and-a-half is insane. Like, legitimately insane. Last week was the only time I couldn't bet against Seattle because the only healthy tight ends on the Giants roster after uh, uh, Daniel Bellinger went out were Tanner Hudson, who at one point was on the practice squad, and somebody named Mayek or something. I'm a Giants fan. I don't know who either one of them are. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Tanner Hudson had 50 yards. He was the second leading receiver on the team. Literally like a practice squad dude, got 50 yards, and now – Zach, Zach Ertz only needs to needs to get 10 less than Tanner Hudson did. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable. Um, like I said, Ertz had 7 for 70 last time these two teams played. Uh, over 39 and a half is such a, such a lock. I, I just can't believe it. And I'm waiting to see his receptions prop, which I love over. The only problem with, like, receptions props is, like, I don't know. I mean, he got 10 targets last time. He gets eight targets a game. Like, I like definitely over four and a half res- uh, receptions if you can get that. And honestly, if his pro- if his receiving prop is 39 and a half, it might be three and a half catches. It might be three and a half or four and a half, and I like both of them. So I'm playing over the yards and likely over the receptions unless somehow it comes out of nowhere and ends up being five and a half. Uh, the other thing is you would, f- you would figure Pete Carroll is going to assign most of the pass coverage to stop in DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and that's what the, that's what Vegas seems to think too. Like DeAndre Hopkins' total in this game is like eighty. So, I, again, like how Zach Ertz went from fifty four and a half as his prop last time these two teams played, then beating it by fifteen yards, and then having it drop this game. The only difference is that DeAndre Hopkins is now in this offense. That's the only like unless is Vegas just mm-hmm. thinking that's where the ball's going. I I guess yeah, the other thing is I think the first. Seahawks Cardinals game was nineteen nine. Maybe it's like, but he hit his prop. So what, like, how do you adjust? How well, do you adjust Ertz down? We also know like the player prop market is is softer, like less liquid than than you know regular game market. So maybe it's just like, I think you found a market inefficiency that you keep exploiting, and that's just what it is. And I don't know if anyone's going to catch up. It's not like. Yeah, like you're, you're say, not like, you're not, not putting six figures on these bets, so maybe no one's just going to catch up. 
after this pod gets released, I bet the number gets uh, adjusted up. I don't think this is going to sit at 39 and a half. So if you're listening to this right now and it's 39 and a half, please go hammer it. Cause I think it's going up before this, uh, before the game kicks off. All right. Good stuff. Uh, my point, my, my best bet here is I'm going to take five points with the Chicago bears, uh, hosting the Miami dolphins. Um, it's at five now it's trending down actually pinnacle, which is a super sharp sports book. Cause they book the biggest, uh, bets in the market. They have it at four and a half, despite most of the money, according to all the available betting split providers, uh, most of the money is on oh, wait, the Dolphins. I'm sorry. I have to jump in. I have to defend Vegas here because now it makes sense. And I should have looked at this. I see what they're doing. I still don't agree with it, but I see what they're doing. With what? Zach Ertz in the first oh. six games before DeAndre Hopkins came back to the lineup had 35 targets in six games, right? That's six targets a game for all intents and purposes. He's had four and a half over the last two weeks, five and four. And he's only had 55 yards receiving since Hopkins came back on six catches. So it's definitely getting moved down because he's moving down with Hopkins because Hopkins is Kyler Murray's um, security blanket. But I just think that gives us more value here because, again, it's an inefficiency in the market. Yes, his targets have been trending down with Hopkins, but this is the one spot where those targets are going to jump back up. A, because Murray already saw how much he can exploit the Seattle defense. Um, and B, because they just don't defend tight ends in the first place. Good stuff. Sorry. Hit Zach Ertz I had to, over. I had to at least defend Vegas. Like, okay, he's only had nine targets over the last two weeks combined after having at least six targets in each of the team's games between weeks two and week six, he has not hit that number once since Hopkins returned. No, the no apology needed. The most important, I think, part of our process here is coming up with the counter argument because, frankly, the most successful betters in the world lose 40% of the time. So you have to think of ways to lose, right? It's and by of- the way, I, kind of, I actually kind of like, now that we're talking about it, like Hopkins under 80 yards feel like that's a, that's a high total. For DeAndre, like that feels very high to me. Yeah, that kid, um, the uh, draft pick of uh, Seattle Seahawks, Tariq Woolen, everyone's raving about. The kid can play, and he looks like the next like Pete Carroll secondary steal in the draft. Everyone likes him, and you know he's going to be. Um, they're going to put him on on D Hop. So yeah, and like and Hopkins has had twenty seven targets since he returned in two games. Well, which that, is that's the reason for D Hop, and they do move him. I think they move him around a lot. Either way, Kyler Murray is going to force the ball into D Hop, like he's going to right. So like, shit. It, maybe another way to get down on it is like bet over Hopkins yards, but bet over. Um, uh, point, uh, point five interceptions by Kyler Murray. Cause oh, I, well, is he point five or is he a 1.5 guy? Is anyone a 1.5 guy? Uh, pretty sure Zach Wilson is a 1.5 guy. <laughs> Actually, Davis Mills, I believe tonight is a 1.5 guy. Fair enough. Okay. I, I wouldn't, unless like 1.5 is like plus 275, I, I wouldn't go 1.5, but I think you throw a pick here against the Seahawks. Uh, but on to my, my, my best bet. I'm going with the Bears, uh, plus five. It's down to plus four and a half at the Sharp Books. Uh, and the brunt of my analysis is Miami was a three and a half point favorite at Detroit in week eight. 
and they're five-point favorites in Chicago this week. Detroit is not one and a half points better than than Chicago, not by any metric. In fact, Detroit is dead last in net EPA per play. They're second to last, actually, ahead of Arizona in net success rate. Um, so there's no way they're a point and a half better than Chicago. So this number is off. I, I think Chicago's offense is trending up. Justin Fields seems to be finding his groove because he's not trying to read defense as much and he's just running, which is probably the best thing for him, at least for the time being. He's got six total TDs in the last three games. Uh, Chicago's offense has rushed for at least 237 yards in each of those three games. Um, they outgained Washington in week six, and they outgained New England in week seven by 130 total yards in each one of those games. They're plus 16 and first down differential over their last three games, converting third, 48% of their third down um, attempts. So the offense is trending up. The line feels fishy to me. Everyone's on the Dolphins. The, the line's moving a little bit towards the Bears. I think this is just a wrong price. And also... The Bears aren't giving up on their season, evidently. They traded for uh, Chase Claypool. They're trying to give Justin Fields more to work with. I think at the very bare minimum, Chase Claypool is going to be an elite downfield blocker uh, for Chicago's above-average running game and Justin Fields on the ground. Um, And more to the point of them not mailing it in, the seventh seed is the San Francisco 49ers, who are 4-4. Chicago is only a game behind them. And they actually own the tiebreaker against the 49ers, which is a crazy thought. But, I mean, Chicago, you know, they still have their season in front of them, and they're going to need this game like blood. I Again, I do think the line is fishy, so I'm on the Bears here. I'm going to take the points. Um, I feel like this is a sharp side, but, of course, I feel like that. It's the side I'm betting. So that's what I'm on. Um, do you have any other final thoughts, or can we peace out? Yeah, I mean, I'm fading you there, so 50 bucks. Yeah, I'm down. I had the but Dolphins. But it doesn't count my... towards your record. No, I had. I actually did have. It's just like the Bengals. Like, I had the Dolphins as one of my caps, and then I, I went against it, but they're still my lean. So if you're going to take it, let's have some fun. Will you have some fun with the Panthers, too? Guys, I'll take the Panthers plus the points if you want the Bengals. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. All right, that's your podcast. Best of luck whether you fade or follow us here on week nine. Uh, Better not fade me. Yeah, don't fade him. He's over 75% thus far. Um, Although, Mark, I'm due for regression, so maybe this is the week to fade. All right, full fade at your own peril. Um, Hopefully you can (laughs) follow me. And show me some good love if, if... or show me some social media love for this podcast, at least. Leave this podcast nice reviews if me or Dan are helping you uh, make some oh, money. Please follow us on Twitter. I'm at OutkickDanZ. I have I finally worked my ass off to get that blue check mark, and now I have to pay for it. And I'm devastated. I'm not going to pay for it. So, But get a, get a few of those last blue check tweets in with me. And Jeff, same. I don't know. Are you going to pay for it? Hell no. All my friends would make fun of me. I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? I don't hate it. Like I love the blue check mark, like eight dollars a month. That's like two really grungy OnlyFans subscriptions. I can get behind that. <laughs> like whatever. I've spent money on dumber things, but it's like I, I do twi- that rationale a lot. I spend money on dumber things as a reason for me to do a lot of things. Dude, I spend like I spend like twenty dollars a week in coffee. Like eight dollars a month for a blue Great. check mark. It's not the end of the world, but like 
I tweeted this out last night. I can't even front. Like my friends will actually make fun of me. <laughs> I just don't. I really don't want to deal with it. I'm just like, ah, I'll look like such a clown with a blue check mark, right? Because it's obvious. Like you gave Elon you Musk your banking information. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The only time I want to do that is when I buy a Tesla. All right, uh, shoot us. Uh, excuse me. Show us some love on social media at Dan Outkick Dan Z. I'm at Jeffrey underscore Clark. Until next time, peace out.